we, uh, we are going to talk, as we have every week, um, about being more like Jesus. And, uh, and while Mikey talked about serving last week, and he did a great job, and he talked about how we need to put love into action um, in our serving, and how we're never more like Jesus than when we're serving others, and that is always going to be true. Uh, that's always definitely going to be true, because Jesus, when he came, he served um, big time. But one of the most crucial parts of being more like Jesus uh, actually has to do with our knowledge of the faith. If we're going to be more like Jesus, then yes, we need to uh, do our best to act more like Jesus. We need to serve more like Jesus. But we need to have an understanding of and, and knowledge of Jesus and an understanding of why we believe what we believe. And in this day and age that we live in, we need to know that, I think, more than ever. In this time that we live in now, we need to know why we believe what we, what we believe. And there are too many Christians, I believe, there are too many people that call themselves followers of Jesus that could not defend their faith if they had to. And so I guess at the very beginning of this, I would pose the question to you is, could you? Could you defend your faith if you had to? If somebody came to you, and I'm not just talking a Facebook argument, but I'm talking an actual conversation in, you know, in-person conversation about things that really matter, and you had to defend your faith, how confident do you feel in defending your faith? And this is something I'm very, very passionate about, um, is having an understanding of why we believe what we believe. I think it is so, so important. And it falls into an area called apologetics. And apologetics is really just a big word for defense of the faith, being able to defend your faith. And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Something that doesn't get talked about too often, um, but I think it is something that is incredibly crucial. And so why is that? Why is defense of the faith, knowing why, which, why you believe what you believe, why is that so crucial? Why is it important? Well, it's inspiring. I think it's very inspiring. It's empowering. It's empowering to you. It's, it's a confidence building. This will build your confidence in, in the Lord. And most importantly, I believe most importantly, it's evangelistic. And a lot of people don't look at it that way, but it is. It's evangelistic in that every time I get into a conversation with somebody about why I believe what I believe, every single time it ends up leading to me sharing the gospel. And we're going to talk about that next week. But this week, I want to talk about why we believe what we believe and why that's important. Because the evangelistic side of this cannot be understated. But when you get your head around the knowledge, when you get your head around the evidence, and there's a lot, you can't help but share it. You can't help but share it, and it leads to evangelism and sharing the gospel every single time. But if a five-minute YouTube video can shake your faith to your core, then I would have to push back and question how solid your faith really is. Because I've seen that. I've had conversations with people about that who have watched a YouTube video, and it has made them question all of their faith. We don't get our theology from YouTube, y'all. <laughs> we shouldn't, all right? There are many people, there are many people who have just prayed the prayer, got their fire insurance, and went along with life and nothing changed. That's, that's a hard statement to make, but it's the truth. They've just gone about their lives. We are not called to do that. When Jesus said, follow me, those words have so much weight 
So much weight, and there's a whole lot wrapped up in that. And part of that is knowledge and understanding why you believe what you believe. And so I want to start with this verse in 1 Peter. And this is huge. It says, and if someone asks about your Christian hope, always, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. That's important in the Facebook age we live in, right? What I'm not going to give you, let me just pause for a second. What I'm not going to give you today is weapons for a fight, <laughs> okay? If you think that I'm just going to basically give you ammo to argue with people, <clears throat> that's not the intent. That's not the intent. Do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then, if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. So here's my first point. Doctrine leads to deeds. Doctrine leads to deeds. Now, doctrine is a churchy word. It's a, it's a Christianese word. But what you believe always leads to what you do. Think about that for a minute. What you believe always leads to what you do. Think about that in every aspect of your life. I've used this example before. If you believe that you know, diet and exercise are good and healthy, um, if you don't actually do that, I would have to question whether you actually believe that, <laughs> right? If you're like, yeah, diet and exercise, that's definitely the thing, but I, I need to go through McDonald's on my way home. Um, you don't really believe that. Doctrine, that word, it really just means a set of beliefs within our system, uh, within our faith system. A, a doctrine is a set of beliefs held on or taught by the church. So let me give you a couple examples of that. Baptism. The reason that we do baptism the way that we do, by immersion, you know, underwater, not sprinkled, uh, after someone has come to a saving knowledge of Jesus so they have an understanding of it, not sprinkled when you're a baby and you have no idea what you're doing, it's it, the reason that we do that the way that we do is part of our doctrine. It, that, that's part of our faith system and the reason that we do that. And we have reasons for that. The return of Jesus, which we all hope is really soon, um, based on the world around us, right? The reason that we believe that Jesus is coming back and all of that, that's part of our doctrine. Um, the, uh, the virgin birth, the fact that Jesus was born of a virgin, that's part of our doctrine. Uh, the origin of the universe, that's part of our doctrine. The Bible itself why we can trust the Bible, why this is the document that is our handbook for life. That's part of our doctrine. And we believe those things based on what we've seen and what we've heard. They're not just shots in the dark. But if we're going to be more like Jesus, then this matters a lot. If the goal is to be more like Jesus, then this matters a lot. Understanding and knowing why we believe what we believe. You and I have, if you are a follower of Jesus, be confident in this what I'm about to say, you have deep, solid reasons and evidence for what we believe about certain things and what we believe about God, what we believe about the Bible and all of those things. And so I want to look at a couple. So let's look at the Bible for a minute here. All right, let's look at the Bible. The Bible is God's word. The Bible is God's word. We believe that. That's part of our doctrine. And so I want to actually read you a statement from our doctrine right now. That is, uh, that is part of our, uh, our statement of faith, um, and it's part of our bylaws, and it says the Bible. We believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, inerrant 
in its original manuscripts, meaning without error, if you didn't know what that word meant, and is reliable in numerous modern translations. I'm not going to get into that one. But the Bible is our supreme and final authority in life, or in faith and life. So, that's our statement from our bylaws, and we didn't just make that up because it sounded good. That's all based on evidence. It's based on things that we've seen, things that we've heard. But let me tell you some other things about the Bible that maybe you didn't know. Did you know, you maybe even known this, that the Bible is the best-selling book of all time by a landslide? Like nothing's even close to have sold as many copies as the Bible. In fact, the movable type printing press, which I had studied in school, um, when you know went to art school and all of that, we studied that. The reason that the movable type printing press was developed by Gutenberg was so that he could print the Bible. That was why he developed that. It was the first published book was the Bible um, by Gutenberg. It claims to be the inspired word of God. It was written by 40 men on three different continents over the course of 1,500 years on various subjects, and it all completely agrees with itself. Some people debate that one, but I would encourage you to study on that one and to really study and look, not just watch a couple YouTube videos, but to actually study and look. Because I have studied and looked at some of the contradictions that are supposedly there, and every single time, the word of God does not come back void. Every single time. But we have more original manuscripts not, people, not many, many people know this one. We have more original manuscripts of the Bible, of the Word of God, than we do of any other document in antiquity from its time period. You know, we have more original manuscripts of the Bible than we do of Homer's Iliad. And we take that as like word-for-word -word translation that it's right. You know how many manuscripts we have of that? Like eight. You know how many we have of the Bible? Like 25,000. And they all agree with themselves, especially from the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1948 when we found those. Whole lot of really cool things there. But scholars, and not just biblical scholars, scholars consider it an accurate historical account. And that's why a lot of times when you, when you hear me talk through the Bible and stuff, I will put things in historical context because it matters. Because it's an accurate historical account, especially when it's compared to other ancient writings. We have more manuscripts than we do of, of the Bible than we do of Aristotle and Socrates combined Yet, we take their stuff as gospel truth, and the Bible's still questionable. I'm just looking logically here, people. Scripture is also filled with prophecy, very specific prophecy about Jesus. It's filled with many other prophecies, but there are over 300 prophecies in Scripture about Jesus. 300 that have all been fulfilled. Old Testament to New Testament. Now, I understand this is the Bible agreeing with itself, and I get that. But do you know the odds of that happening? Well, let me just tell you the odds of 48 of those, all right? 300, over 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Bible. The odds of just 48 of those prophecies being fulfilled is one in 10 to the 157th power. You know what that number looks like? One and this. That's only 48. That's not all 300 plus. That's a crazy big number. Yes, I counted every zero. These are strong indications that the Bible really is God's word. The point of scripture is actually to point to who Jesus is. That's actually the point of scripture. And a lot of times we, we take, and I'll talk about this uh, in a few, but we, we try to make scripture something that it was never intended to be. 
and we gotta keep that in mind. But I want you to take a look at this quote. Take a look at this quote and just think about it for a minute. Christians shouldn't need reasons for believing in God. Christianity is based on faith. What do you personally think about that statement? I 100% disagree with it. I completely disagree with this statement. And you know what? So does the Bible. <laughs> the Bible actually disagrees with this statement, but I'd be willing to bet that you or someone you know or you've heard something along these lines said. And it's probably when somebody gets challenged on their faith. And they say, well, you just got to have faith. The Bible doesn't actually agree with that, funny enough. We think that it does, but I don't agree with this at all. I couldn't disagree with it more, to be quite honest. We believe the things that we believe based on the testimony of people that were there who actually heard it and saw it. And that is why the Gospels themselves, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's why those are so important because they are eyewitness accounts to Jesus. And they're historically, they're, they're historically accurate and, and they're reliable based on everything that, that uh, scholars would look at to deem something reliable and historical. They hit every single one of those. Look into it. Here's what this comes down to. There's too many, I believe, followers of Jesus that don't understand the why behind the what. That's what I'm getting at. The why behind the what. This is super important. Let me ask you these questions. This will challenge you for just a minute. Answer these questions for me if you could, to yourself. If someone asked you these or made these statements to you. Uh, if God is so good, then why is there evil in the world? God is so good, why is there coronavirus? Uh, Christians are all just hypocrites. Why doesn't God answer prayer? I actually talked about that one a few months ago. Why does a loving God send people to hell? I've heard that one. Um, Jesus was just a historical figure, not, not God. The Bible's full of errors and contradictions, um, so that means we really can't trust Christianity. I've heard that one before, too. Evolution proves that the Bible is wrong. We're going to talk about that one in a minute, because that's not true. See, there are people looking for hope in our world right now. We are living in a world of people that are looking for hope. They're looking for hope. They're looking for good news, but we also live in a skeptical world. We live in an extremely skeptical world that can find answers at their fingertips. And funny enough, that was predicted in Daniel chapter 12, that that's where we're up to right now, quite frankly. People are looking for answers, and the place that they find them, I've said this one before, it starts with G-O, and it's not God, it's Google. And they believe anything that they read. Hey, if it comes up on the internet, it's right. It's, it must be correct. But the place to find the answers for these things is in the Word of God. It's there. We need to study. We need to find it. But if our answer for why, when, when people ask us these questions, well, you just got to believe. That doesn't cut it. That's not going to cut it in today's day and age. That shouldn't cut it anyway, if we're being honest. The Word of God actually agrees 
with that idea as well. Look at John chapter 20. This is toward the end of the book of John, okay? And this is what he writes. This is John who walked with Jesus, eyewitness account. Here's what he says, but these are written. And when he says these, he's talking about the rest of John, the rest of the book of John. So prior to, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is how John ends his narrative, toward the end of his narrative here. And this is his reason for writing. Belief equals trust. I've said that one before. I'll say that one many more times. But Christianity is not a baseless fairy tale that attempts to solve the human condition. It's not that. Not by any stretch. Though it's... it's, it's People try to make it look like that. But it's based on facts and evidence that point to a divine creator. And now, are, are there crazy things and miracles and such and, and things like that that fall out of the realm of, of the laws of physics and, and things like that? Yep, there definitely are. Those are there. But don't believe for a second that following Jesus is just a leap of faith or a shot in the dark. Because it's not. You don't have to leave logic and reason at the door. It's actually the complete opposite. It's a complete opposite of that. And I want to give you a few things in the realm of apologetics, the defense of the faith, to, to talk about that. I, I personally find these things extremely interesting. And I love this stuff. And so let's start with this one. The fine-tuning of the universe. Now, what do I mean by the fine-tuning of the universe? I'm going to talk about science for just a quick second here. So the fine-tuning of the universe. We live on the only inhabitable planet in our known universe. And it is perfectly tuned for our existence. Perfectly tuned for our existence. No scientist would disagree with that. I need my daughter, Allison, to come up here for just a second. She's gonna help me illustrate something here. Um, it is perfectly tuned for our existence. So, I've got a padlock for you, babe. And, um, and so, I'm gonna ask her to try to to open this padlock here. Um, but let me, let me just say this. So you've got things like the angle of the earth, okay? The angle of the earth, the angle at which the earth is. Um, if we were off by one degree, one way or the other, we all die. Uh, the expansion of the universe that scientists would agree is happening at all times. If it happens any faster, we all die. If it happens any slower, we all die. That's a finely tuned. Right? These are just a couple of things. There are over 30 finely tuned universal features that are necessary for life. And the odds of just one of those being right by random chance are the odds of her like opening this lock with a first try, the, yeah. which she did on the first try. Okay. Um, so, how did, how did you get that open on the first try? I don't know. No, no you, how did you get that open on the first try? I tried a code. Where did you get the code? You. What's that? I, I, I gave you the code, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, I gave her a piece of paper with, with four numbers on it. Yeah. Now, that makes sense, because if somebody opens a padlock on the first try... Immediately, you've got to be thinking, well, she had another combination. Because the odds of her just getting that right are crazy. There's four digits on here, and she just happened to pick 1138, which was perfect and, and the right combination. But it was because she had data prior to 
from an intelligent, well, debatable, intelligent source, <laughs> right? Thanks, babe. You can have a seat. Um, and so she gets the code correct. The chances, okay, so that's one. The chances that are happening for our universe to be properly fine-tuned exactly the way that it is, even crazier than that. Let's talk about another one. What is the prime reality? Have you ever heard this one before? What is the prime reality? You may not have heard this, but essentially the prime reality is the thing from which everything else comes. So where, where does everything come from? It has to go back to something, right? Our, our brains, like, try to get your head around something came from nothing. Like, just try to think that through for a second. You'll get a headache because you can't. We have finite brains. Our brains are finite, meaning everything, for it to make sense, everything has to have a beginning and has to have an end. It just, it just has to, or you can't really wrap your brain around it. God is infinite. He has always been and always will be. I don't know. I, don't know. I can't get my head around that. So what is the prime reality? That would be the thing from which everything else comes. Now, science doesn't have an answer for this, and they're okay with not having an answer for this. Many other things they're not okay with having an answer for. But this particular thing, they're okay with that. As believers, as followers of Jesus, as theists, we have an answer for that. The Bible has an answer for that. Random chance and very particular set of circumstances over the course of millions of years sound ridiculous as opposed to saying that there is an intelligent creator. Nothing else in science would be taken seriously if I told them that or if I told you that about something. But for some reason, the origin of the universe does. Now, theists, somebody that believes in God, theology, study of God, right? So, um, they think that a personal God is the prime reality. That makes the most sense based on the evidence that we are given. So evidence for God exists, God's existence supports a theistic worldview. Worldview, the way we, in which we view the world. Which brings us to an idea called intelligent design, which is gaining a whole lot of traction in the last, call it 10 to, 10 to 15 years, maybe a little bit longer. But here's essentially the definition for intelligent design. Intelligent design is an evidence-based, hear that? Evidence-based scientific theory about life's origins that challenge strictly materialistic views of evolution. Let me give you a quote from somebody who is the smartest guy in the room, pretty much every room that he walks in. This isn't a guy that's just a random whatever. This is probably one of the smartest, like just one of the smartest people you'll, you'll ever meet if you ever did. His name's Dr. Stephen C. Meyer. And he, uh, he put together some curriculum that I taught when I was a youth pastor about the origin of the universe and the existence of God and scientific proof and evidence for the existence of God. And he's written a book called Signature in the Cell, DNA and the Evidence for Intelligent Design. He has a PhD from Cambridge, not too shabby. And the director, he's the director of, this, uh, of the Center for Science and Culture at the Discovery Institute and vice president and senior fellow at the Discovery Institute, which is in Seattle. This guy is a legit scientist, legit scientist. And, and here's what he said. He's also a follower of Jesus, by the way. And this is a guy that, that deciphers things with logic and reason and science. And he says the best evidence, all of the evidence points to intelligent design. Here's one of the things he says. Many origin of life scientists have similarly recognized how difficult it is to generate specified biological information by chance alone. So specific information in your biology, for that to just be by random chance, life, origin of life scientists have said that is super difficult for that to happen. In the time available, 
on the early earth or even in the time available since the beginning of the universe. So early earth, meaning that the earth is maybe six to 7,000 years um, old, or in the time available since the beginning of the universe, you know, the millions and millions of years theory that you, that you hear and all of that. Uh, I personally believe that the Bible supports a young earth theory, but I'm not gonna get into that. Um, but even in the time involved, he's saying, this is a scientist who is saying either one of those, there's not enough time for random chance and all of that stuff to develop what we have here, what you just see in your little finger where you're sitting right now. He has written a book on microbiology that says right there, it's called A Signature in the Cell, DNA, and Evidence for Intelligent Design. Microbiology as proof for intelligent design. Let me just, in a quick snapshot, tell you what microbiology is, at least my understanding of it. Um, inside every one of your cells, I don't know if you know this, inside every one of your cells, and a lot of you students or whatever, you probably learned this in science at school, there are little tiny machines inside of every single one of your cells that are doing very specific jobs, creating DNA and creating enzymes and all kinds of things like that. They're doing very specific things, little tiny machines that you look at. And so when you see a, a machine that's doing a very specific job, does your brain instantly think, well, that must have just random by chance happened to be there. What's making the machine do what it's doing? None of you, when you went to the dealership and bought your car, went, well, you know what? Over the course of millions of years, somebody took a bunch of metal and glass and threw it in a bag and shook it up a billion times, and it ended up being a car that works. You would be looked at like a crazy person. Yet in science, that's what they're saying. We should think about ourselves. The evidence points to a creator. The evidence that we have points to a creator. The, when you just look at the... take. Take God and, and everything else, all of that, put that aside for just a second. When you look at the evidence that's there for our existence and our cells, and even just in the DNA of our cells, you're telling me the, the best explanation for the evidence that we have is random chance in millions of years, or a random explosion. That, that's actually not the best evidence. Science and faith are not at odds. Science and faith are not at odds. In fact, they complement each other. And it's funny because in other countries, in other countries, you can actually criticize Darwin in evolution, but not the government. Yet in this country, you can criticize the government all day long, but uh, you can't criticize Darwin or you're ostracized. You know, if you don't, if you don't believe exactly what that is, if you're not, if you're not meeting with, with what the mainstream, if you want to call it that, is saying that you should, then, then you're ostracized. But all the evidence points to a creator, guys. We have solid reasons for faith. Look at this other quote from Stephen Meyer. It says, the heart cannot exalt what the mind rejects. Think about that for a minute. The heart cannot exalt what the mind rejects. God created us with a mind. God created us with a brain. God created most of us with common sense. All right? And the, the heart cannot exalt what the mind rejects. If, if it doesn't make sense, can't really get your heart around it, can you? Our faith makes sense. Be confident in that. Look at the great command in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 says, he answered, this is Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. We're supposed to use our brains, not check them at the door and love your neighbor as yourself. Science will never be able to explain God's purposes. 
And scripture will never explain the science behind creation. Think about that for a second. I said, that it, I, I said something along these lines at the very beginning, but I think, this, I think this is important to point out right now. Because a lot of times we try to make this do this and the other way around. Context is everything. We have to look at the intent. The intent of the Bible was not to be a creation science book. And the intent of science is not to explain doctrine or God. Neither one are intended to do what people try to make them do, which is why there is this belief that faith and science don't mix, but they actually complement each other in many, many ways. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. It says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. I think apologetics is one of those ways. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We need to just, we need to not just know of it, we need to know it. We need to know why we believe what we believe. And it matters. It matters because Jesus was actually able to answer those who questioned because, not just because he was God, which he was, but because he had intellect. Let's not forget, Jesus studied. He was a rabbi. He studied. He knew his stuff. And he was able to thoughtfully and carefully reason with people and share the why behind the what. So having a grip on this is definitely a part of being more like Jesus. But, but really, here's the big answer to why. The big answer to, to why this matters. It's because you are God's custom channel. What do I mean by that? We've got custom apps and we've got uh, different things like that on our phone and we've got custom channels that we, that we can watch on TV. You are God's custom channel. You are so valuable to God because each one of us is made, fearfully and wonderfully made, as a custom channel crafted by God to carry the message of Jesus to the people that you come in contact with in a different way than maybe I would. And so it's no wonder that God sent his son for each and every one of us to save us, but, but to send us with Jesus to the next person. And don't worry if you're like, I, I'm not going to remember all of this stuff. I'm going to get into a conversation with somebody and I'm not going to remember any of this stuff. You're probably right. There's a lot. <laughs> There's a whole lot more to look in. I'm giving you the 30,000 foot view of apologetics. There's so much. And one of these days, I'm probably going to do a series on apologetics when the time's right. But you're, you're maybe not going to remember all of this stuff. You, may can, you maybe will remember some stuff. But the Holy Spirit's going to bring, bring to mind what you need to say at the time, the right time, if you're prayed up and you're ready to go. But we need to always be ready. And we also need to know this. The information is out there. There is good information out there. And I've actually got some resources for you if you're, if you're really, really interested in getting more into apologetics. I've got a spot set up on our website um, that you'll be able to go to. And I'll email that out to everybody. Um, but, but it's right there that has some really good resources for apologetics and creation science and things like that. There are some really, really good places. There are some awful places. But there are some really good places as well. And there's a spot on our website for that that will be set up for you to go take a look at. In fact, it, it should be there right now. Um, but it's important for you to know why you believe what, what you believe. There are some great resources around here, by the way. The Akron Fossil and Science Center is right down the road. It's a great place to take your kids, and they teach creation science. It's a great spot to go. 
And there are some other really, really good websites that I'll be sending out to everybody. But why is it important to be able to defend your faith? Why is it really important? Well, that ends up being my connection point for the day. And it's this. It's because you are the evidence for God. You are the evidence for God. We say it all the time. God could have chosen any way to communicate to the world and to people around, to the people around you, and to everybody in this world how much he loves them. And he chose to use the local church, which in turn means he's choosing to use you. And he's choosing to use me. And you can't just leave it to the pastors and apologists and Christian and creation scientists. Because we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Jesus said in Acts 1.8 that you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So if we are to be his witnesses, that means we need to start here. Working on here. After here, we got to work on here. How can we do that if we don't know the why behind the what? How can we reach people if we can't really talk through and explain the why behind the what? How can we, we reach a lost world that can find the answer to anything with a Google search and believe it? And we can't just say, well, I believe that it's because Pastor Jay said it. I, I appreciate that, but that's not good enough. You need to know why you believe what you believe. We need to make our faith our own. And when we do that, our purpose becomes much more clear. You bow your heads with me. You know, understanding the why behind the what, yes, gives us confidence. And yeah, it might feel a little bit overwhelming and it might feel like there's a whole lot to get your head around, and there is. But know this, there are great reasons for faith. You are not following a fairy tale. There are solid reasons and evidence for faith. And if you're not 100% sure that you're going to be with Jesus in heaven one day, let me tell you that there are solid reasons for you to be able to know that for 100% sure today that are in the Bible. And we can trust the Bible because of the, because of the evidence and the things that we've seen and the things that we've heard. And if you want to know more about that, if you want to be able to walk out of here today or you want to be able to get up from your couch where you are at home and know for 100% sure that you have a relationship with Jesus and that you're going to be in heaven one day with him, I would love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you. And there's a resource for you online if you are watching online, connectchurch.xyz slash next. You can find more information about that. Father, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you so much for your word that is reliable. God, I thank you for the evidence for our faith. I thank you that you've put these things in such plain sight. And Lord, sometimes we're just too too into ourselves. We think we got all the answers, Lord. And, And you've just been right there the whole time. Father, I pray that all of us would maybe be a little bit inspired by this to dig deeper into the why behind the what, into our reasons for faith. Because in an ever, ever skeptical world, in a world that needs Christians to know why they believe what they believe to, be go, to go out and reach them, Lord, we need, to, we need to take that charge seriously. So Father, I pray that we would all be inspired in that way. We would take advantage of the resources that are there. 
And God, if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, Father, or they're watching at home, I pray that today might be the day that they put their faith and their trust in you. God, we love you, we praise you, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.